Welcome homeowners, home buyers, landlords, and tenants alike. People who just want to be better at living in a home. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. Join Madison Radio's Adam Elliott, real estate broker and landlord Ben Anton, as they break down the modern day barriers of home ownership. You'll laugh, you'll cry. And if you're not careful, you'll learn. Come on, baby, won't you hold me tighter than your fists curled up in a schoolyard fight? Thanks for waiting. That was the waiting song from Madison Musician Seesaw. Welcome to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. On the Facebook at In the 608. Hey, welcome, Ben. It's March, and we're tapping on the door of spring, and it's time to do a new episode of Real Estate in the 608. Are we in the, we're in the middle of the lion and the lamb? Pretty close there, although I did see that weather forecaster say this is fake spring, that you're not supposed to believe that spring is here because we're going to get hit again. The little chart that says, you are here (laughs) in the fool's spring. (laughs) Well, my name is Adam. And I'm Ben Anton. And thanks for joining us. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, a podcast where we do things like we bring in a guest to talk things real estate. Hopefully and usually they are smarter than us. That's our whole MO. We bring in people smarter than us so that we can learn and talk about real estate and just totally normalize the idea of learning about real estate and being better homeowners and better tenants and better people. We'll talk about the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows and not your mental health, but rather the house sales in Madison and Dane County. As they relate to Dane County in the last 30 or so days, we're going to enjoy things from friends at the Lauer Realty Group like the top of the hour tip and the market update. Yeah. One of those smarties you talked about that we bring in here is Phil Plord, president of Blimling and Associates, a division of Dairy.com. He looks beyond the 608. Beyond the 608. Also host of the Dairy Download, where he takes some of those same skills and predicts the price of milk in China. Oh, does he have a magic eight ball? He does. (laughs) That's how I do my predictions. Maybe going up. So we also feature local music from artists... In the 608. Yeah. Uh, aforementioned, Adam Elliott is my last name. Um, I am a teacher, user experience architect at UW-Madison. Uh, used to be on the radio in Madison as well. This you? gets me my radio kick still. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Ben Anton, uh, broker associate with the Lauer Realty Group and a landlord. I try to do all kinds of things in the time in between. I'd say you're a nice guy. You could do, be a nice do, guy I, too. You're a nice guy too, Adam. Oh, thanks, let's just ben. talk about how great one another is. Uh, let's not do that. see how that sells. <laughs> that won't go far. Well, if you paid attention to our last episode, you heard from our guest who will be in for the full episode today, Yusha Robinson, a real estate attorney. Specializing in estate law, real estate, business and commerce, she's a partner at... Pines and Bach Law offices. Do we need to do the disclaimer? Like The opinions <laughs> shared here are just those of Ben and Adam, and, <laughs> and you should not be acted on, All generally. Right. What's been going on since last time, Ben? Since last time, you know, I, I'm always willing to plug the Facebook, which I'll say again is at in the 608. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may also find us online in the 608.com. Mm-hmm. I see um, a pattern building there. So there's so we've been a podcast for several years now. Mm-hmm. Three, I think in the season three in the 608. Yeah. I would just like to shout out to Josh Spreiter at WISC3 TV. Uh-huh. Because he's got a new little a new little segment. Mm-hmm. Little segment on his program called In the 608. In the 608. <laughs> so so here's I knew we my, should have copyright. Here's it. my little <laughs> as a, so we were in the 608 before you, Josh. <laughs> And I personally have been in the 608 since probably before you were born, <laughs> just so we're clear. Uh, we, maybe we should bring him on to defend his in the 608. <laughs> I, w- I would like to have the weather the weatherman, um, Chris Reese. Uh-huh. Chris Reese sold real estate. Oh. Probably, probably to fill in while he was the weekend guy. Like maybe he didn't, you know, weekend, weekend weather. I'm not sure that pay, how that pays. Yeah. Uh, but he was selling real estate and like... And just bought his own first house. All right. Well, that's a call out. Uh, you are welcome to give us so a So Josh Spreider, if you're listening, yeah. stay right where you are. But we'd like to talk to Chris <laughs> Reese. So somebody who knows them, you hook us up. What else have you been doing? Bathroom progress. The tile has been chosen. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been a it's lot an of... exciting time. There's, I mean. there's been a lot of mobilization. As Adam views the mess adjacent <laughs> our recordings. This doesn't look that bad, studio. actually. Yeah. Uh, there's been a lot of mobilization, but no tiles in, in yet. Yeah, the, the ordering of tiles. I always feel like the, you go to the tile store, it's like car deal salesman. It's <laughs> like, oh, we could really get the clear coat. You're going to need a little more time on this one. It's, it's, like, it's going to be beautiful. I know you have a beautiful tile bathroom. Oh, thank you. Yes. And, uh, and I'm going to... So, accountability post... For you, April, going to have the bathroom. All right. I'm going to say I will have showered 
in a not yet finished bathroom, <laughs> but the tile will be. Are you done. sure that's not going to create a mess on the floor? The drains in, I guess. I've got the I've got the toilet ready to go too. You just let me know that that works. You don't need to go into detail beyond that. Uh, all right. Uh, for me, since last time aforementioned, I am a teacher, and teachers are now eligible to get the vaccine. So I got my first dose. Oh, um, you got it. You got it. Got a half of one yet? I though, got the huh? half dose. Yes, uh, and it was a, you know great, very calm, easy experience. I highly recommend it. But I, I was also. Happy Happy to see that that the uh, Johnson and Johnson single dose has been made available to some of our teachers because that was kind of a thing. Yeah, um, it's funny that you mentioned that about waiting in line too because there is absolutely a thing about um, me feeling a little guilty, like oh, yeah. okay, wait, I am eligible, but like Ben isn't, but my, my grandmother didn't get one yet. Your grandmother isn't. Well, she is, but they didn't get one. <laughs> I attended. <laughs> I attended a session with some of the folks at UW Madison who actually helped you know work on this thing, and they said that is absolutely a thing. But when you know, if you're eligible, go get it. Like, that's yeah. the point. Go do but it. Don't be posting it on Facebook don't, and rubbing yeah. it in my damn face, because for God's sake, just shut your mouth and be happy you got it. Yeah. And it looks like most folks, maybe even by the time you hear this, you know, they said by the end of the May. Well, hopefully you've all listened before the end of March, well, because there's going to be a lot of Irish and and uh, St. Patrick's Day themed humor <laughs> that will fall on deaf ears if you've already passed that time. All right. That's what's been going on since the last time. From the headlines, what's going on? Stop and go. This you're, you you are adjacent the stop and go issue. Can I get a little breaking news sound effect? Because I'm breaking in. I'm breaking into my own story because I just remembered something. That's pretty meta. Lower Realty <laughs> opens up a West Office. Right, it's across the street from the former. Michael, guess what was seen in that parking lot? Chocolate shop. Oh, man. chocolate shop. You heard it here first. Oh. Chocolate shop on Monroe Street where the Michaels used to be. I'm almost willing to guarantee it based on the park parking of that truck. This would be Ice Cream Wars Part 2. Ice Cream Wars 2021 two. edition. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So back to the stop and go. Our local stop and go uh, was purchased. The one on Winnebago we're talking about. Right. right? It's called yeah. the Stop and Bago yeah. for those of you who are <laughs> okay. local. Um, so stop and go as a franchise was purchased by Quick Trip. All, All right. of the stores were going to remain stop and go branded. Mm-hmm. But they still had to transfer the liquor license. There was a lot of people upset because simultaneous to the transition in ownership was a uh, the closure, the somewhat unrelated closure of the laundromat. Yeah. As well as the unrelated closure of the postal office desk inside the stop and go. Right. Mm-hmm. Those decisions had both been put into place by previous management. But then the new Quick Trip owners of Stop and Go had their wrists slapped and were blamed for the loss of those neighborhood amenities in kind of a spite-filled, vengeful vote at the uh, city council. They lost their liquor license. And then they said, you know what? This is not worth our time. Like they right. could, they literally had an opportunity, a straight up opportunity to sue the city and say, that's unfair. We met your standards. We're doing our thing here. We and, and here's all the other ways that we're decent corporate neighbors. I'm no big fan of Quick Trip, you know, which is a bad thing to say in Wisconsin because everybody loves their Quick Trip. But like from a business sense, you do. It is essential to have like an alcohol license to operate some of these places, especially when Madison. you don't have gas. And in that sense, it's like, what's the harm of continuing to have a local store like that in operation? Which is now I just drove by it on the way over here. It's an empty case. It was a better appointed. A better kept, a cleaner store than the 10 employees that they kept from the former stop and go were all happier to be there. Their wages had increased. Yep. And fortunately, they were able to keep their jobs. But because the city council voted that liquor license down, my neighborhood and my, my main street is like, it's a convenience desert. It is. Not smart, guys. Thanks much. What about the highs and lows? Highs and lows. We're going to talk about two of the lowest, because one of them was like, well, yeah, I wouldn't pay that much for that house anyway. (laughs) So I was like, that is not surprising. Uh, But $70,000 for this tiny home in Mesa Maney. It was a three-bedroom, kind of, but the interior walls were like missing. Like they were just (laughs) studs. They're just studs. I don't know if it had flooded or caught fire, but the whole first floor was just like, 
studs and no ceilings and no walls, but just a, outside walls or just no ins- inside walls. It had there were no interior walls that were mm-hmm. finished, mm-hmm. but they all but they looked like they'd been painted. <laughs> painted the studs like if they sprayed the whole interior, which made me think there might have been mold oh, or some kind of remediation. To remediate, yeah. Like if it had gotten super smoky or burnt or wet. So I made a I made a nudist joke here. <laughs> I said perhaps in keeping with the minimalism that made Mazamani famous. Ouch! Yeah, right? that was a uh-huh. minimalist interior. Yep. And the second lowest price last month was a home on Milwaukee Street. That sold for only one hundred and forty-five thousand hmm, dollars. Now, well. the interesting part behind both of those is that it, in a market where everything is selling in days, yeah, those two it took six months, and the market came up to their price versus the other choice is what, when you lower the price to meet the market. These people actually decided, and they sat for six months, and the and it the, paid off. Well, how much did it cost them to hold it? All right, what about the highest? We're back on the water. We're in Shorewood, $1.5 million for 3,200 square feet. We've got the indicative of wealth balanced bathroom to bedroom ratio about. So five five bedrooms, four bathrooms. It's an older house. Mm-hmm. So older wealth, you get the, the ratio is just a little bit different there. Uh, but it's a beautiful Tudor, like a big English cottage with okay. like the steep roof lines over the door often or over the dormers. Mm. Sometimes they have what's called, uh, or sometimes one side of the steep roof kind of sweeps down and has a curve has to it. Has a little hook. Yeah. I know I what le- you're talking about. I yeah. learned recently that's called a cat slide roof. Mm. For all the cats that slide? That slide off them, yes. <laughs> Literally. I hope your cats aren't on the roof. Okay, those are the lows and the highs from the headlines. Our in-studio guest today, Jusha Robinson, Esquire? Esquire. Well, She's an attorney. Yeah. Does she like to be described? Do people that use that one anymore? Mm. Or is that kind of old-fashioned? I don't know. I guess it depends on whether you're deal- wheeling and dealing stocks. Call yourself Esquire. We're going to take a break for the top of the hour tip from one of our friendly agents, the Lauer Realty Group, and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Liz Lauer, founder of the Lauer Realty Group. I take pride in having highly educated realtors who are passionate about their clients' pursuits. That passion translates into buying the right home, condo, or investment property, or when selling those same properties for clients, creating a highly stylized marketing plan that yields the best results. The core of the success comes from continually educating ourselves, our clients, and staying focused on key topics and strategies that will help us advocate for them like no other firm. Real Estate in the 608 is a window into our world that gives our listener market updates, current lending trends, home maintenance tips, remodeling help, and so much more. When you need our services, give us a call. Till then, sit back and enjoy and learn. On the phone with us now for the top of the hour tip, it's Lauer Realty Group agent, Asher Messino. Hi, Ben. So if you didn't clean your gutters in the fall, or maybe even if you did, the time to make certain they are clear is now. The ground adjacent to your home never freezes in the winter. If your gutters over top or your downspouts can't handle the early spring rains, it's going to be that much harder for your basement to stay dry. Let's make sure those April showers are available to our Mayflowers. And if you haven't done it yet, it's time to take down those Christmas lights. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. My name is Adam Elliott. He's been Anton Ben. It's time to talk about the house that Rhonda bought. There has been significant progress in the house that Rhonda bought in that we need to change the name of the segment. How come? Because it's the house that Rhonda tore down. Oh, It is right. no longer. For those of you who would like to have a look at just how long that took, it actually took longer than like the one minute time lapse video mm-hmm. that you can see on our Facebook page. Just but you could watch it happen. But yeah, so it came down. It was put into three dumpsters, like that. Like that's it all just, it was. It had a claw, and it just kept loading them into the trash. The city of Madison requires any building uh, torn down to follow uh, to both uh, submit and then have approved a city recycling plan. So one of the first things we did was strip the siding and recycle the aluminum. We had the appliances and some interior fixtures that went to the restore. But it's interesting in that the final demolition they. Put it all in the trash bucket, right? Mm-hmm. And then it gets hauled away and sorted through. So it's cheaper to crush it all into bits and then sort it as best you can into like wood, drywall, asphalt, 
Uh, uh, somebody could take that and do that job easier than doing it on site. I think they spread it out on a really big floor. I think they <laughs> list really. It's like when you build your Legos. Yeah, out all they, the they, ones over they, here. And the final plans have been dropped off at the city, uh, and it appears everything is in order for our spring build. All right. Well, that is a nice little recap of the house that Rhonda tore down, bought then tore down. We won't make it longer. We'll just say it's tore down. <laughs> Why don't we bring in our guest in studio? Let's give Yusha a call. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608 Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. Across the table from me is Ben Anton. My name is Adam Elliott, and we're now on the line with Yusha Robinson, an attorney. Yusha, thanks for joining us today. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, it is um, wonderful to have you in studio here. Folks will remember we had you on um, last month's episode to talk about some issues relating to titling. And uh, we're going to go even a little deeper this time. But first, we know that you are uh, an attorney at Pines and Bach. We know that you practice in, in real estate, in estates, as well as business and commerce. But do we know if she's fun? We've got to find out some way, Ben. We've got to play a little game. We're going to play a game called The Way It Used to Be. There used to be. There used to be. But smiling faces far as the eye could see Car in every driveway, swinging every tree People can't stop talking about the way things used to be It's a Madison history and environs game, a trivia game, a quiz game Are you ready, Yusha? I'm ready, as ready as I think I'll ever be here The title Esquire, shall we use that for you? Uh, please don't Okay, we'll I, go. Like, I, prefer count- I prefer counselor Here we go. Established in 1974, the Willie Street Co-op opened its doors at their current location, 1221 Williamson Street, in 1999. Where was the Willie Street Co-op located before their 1999 move? Where the Social Justice Center is currently located, right across the street on Willie Street. I know that because I used to work there. Oh, nice. Okay. I didn't see how I did that. See, she didn't even get here yet, but she'd know, (laughs) she'd know the history because she worked at the tenant resource center. That's right. Sure. Nice job, guys. A little plug for the tenant resource center, Dane County and the tenant resource center just partnered to, uh, to provide approximately $15 million in federal funds for emergency rental assistance for those impacted by COVID-19. The program provides rental assistance for those who are behind in rent, reside in Dane County, and are at or below 50% of the area's median income uh, and have experienced some kind of economic hardship due to COVID-19. So that's 1202 Williamson or online at the tenantresourcecenter.org. Super helpful, especially right now. That's great work. Question two, you're one for one. On October 26th in the year 2000... What presidential candidate and inventor of the internet held a rally on the state capitol grounds? So I wasn't here, but I would say it was Al Gore. (laughs) That is correct. Vice President Al Gore visits, uh, uh, this is from a New York York Times headline, Vice President Al Gore visits liberal college town of Madison, Wisconsin, considered Ralph Nader territory. Is that right? I just thought that would be an interesting little... I don't know if I remember it that way. (laughs) I was a Nader trader. You were a Nader trader? I had to go online and trade my vote with someone in a different eastern state so that that I could vote for Gore and he could vote for Nader. Oh, wow. So I was actually running the Michigan campaign for Nader in 2000. That was what I did before I went to law school. Yeah. Question three. Your time in Madison before moving here, yet after college, you mentioned it being a rest stop on the way to visiting a grandmother in Michigan, but that you also had family in Oregon, Wisconsin, specifically a a cousin who loved the onion with whom you would visit State Street. So (laughs) because onion history is Madison history, in what year did the onion first publish online? Oh, I'm going to fail you there. I'm going to guess 1999. (laughs) <laughs> just to pick a random date. Yeah, it's, but, it's um, 1996. I'll ring the 96. bell for you. Yeah, that was kind yeah, of... Close, close enough. Yeah. Good, good job, you. I think there's... I'd even give the internet one because anything that happened on the internet between like 95 to 99 is kind of a wash. Like everybody was just lost in the world. I so. think we were, we were all just figuring it out. Yeah. So, all right. yeah. <laughs> Two out of three, three out of three. I think you have proven that you are fun. That equals fun in my book. Well, thank you, guys. That means a lot. We're going to take a break for the market update and then we'll be back with some more fun 
with Yusha Robinson from Pines and Bach. Hi, this is Liz Lauer, founder of the Lauer Realty Group. I take pride in having highly educated realtors who are passionate about their clients' pursuits. That passion translates into buying the right home, condo, or investment property, or when selling those same properties for clients, creating a highly stylized marketing plan that yields the best results. The core of the success comes from continually educating ourselves, our clients, and staying focused on key topics and strategies that will help us advocate for them like no other firm. Real Estate in the 608 is a window into our world that gives our listener market updates, current lending trends, home maintenance tips, remodeling help, and so much more. When you need our services, give us a call. Till then, sit back and enjoy and learn. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608. On the phone with us now with the market update for March 2021, Agent Asher Messino. Hi, Ben. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm having to squeeze this market update in between showings from my car, so that's a good indicator as to what's happening out there. Due to COVID, showings are limited to 30 minutes and cannot overlap, and due to the limited availability of time slots, it is nearly impossible to efficiently schedule two or three homes in subsequent time slots, especially when needing to allow for travel time. That said, if there are three homes to see for a buyer, I'm excited about it. There is simply not enough inventory to meet the demand of the current buyer pool. The low cost of borrowed money is as well as what would seem a surprising number of cash buyers have made getting an accepted offer difficult and very expensive. Like a forest fire running out of fuel, we can hope that the cash-heavy buyers burn themselves out. Sticking with that analogy, we can imagine the lesser-resourced younger buyers as the tender green shoots that emerge on the forest floor after a fire. They'll have a tough road ahead of them, but at least a decent chance once the fire is out. The other thing that will give those tender shoots a decent chance are hardworking agents like Asher Messino. Thank you for your call and get out there and sell some houses. Thanks, Ben. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. His name's Ben Anton. My name is Adam Elliott. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Also joining us, Yusha Robinson, an attorney with Pines and Bach Law Offices. Uh, we have been approved to call you counselor. Counselor? Yes. Hello, guys. Yes. <laughs> I feel that feels like I'm in a courtroom all of a sudden. I, I want to do like a law and order scene, but I won't. Dun, dun. All right. You used a realtor to buy your first home, even as an attorney. I did. Even when the home you eventually bought was a for sale by owner. What can you tell me about that decision-making process? It's a little bit embarrassing, I guess, looking back on it now that I know as much as I do. But at the time, I just, I really didn't have much experience in real estate and negotiating. And we had, um, my husband and I had put a bid in on a house um, that fell through and we were feeling pretty traumatized about the whole thing and just, like, I felt like I needed someone else to kind of help me through the process. So even though, like, I knew what happened legally speaking, like, I wanted someone else to be the buffer. Um, and so we used a realtor to do that. Um, you know, in retrospect, we probably didn't need it, but it certainly was emotionally helpful at the time. Well, I, I'm always happy to hear that story. Um, and I have, I have described the role I play as a buffer Often I am a, or a, lubricant, a lubricant between two opposing forces. Um, we'll give a shout out to Sarah Alvarado. That was the, the agent uh, that you worked with at the time. And since, yeah, right. and since I, I don't know if you know, Yusha, but a bunch of years ago, I fell off the roof. And, uh, and Sarah made me a casserole, and it was delicious. Oh. So, <laughs> so little did she know at the time that that would get her a tip of the hat on a soon-to-be podcast 10 years later. you another Sarah story that's sure. even better so we bought our house in 2008 and then 2012 we bought our neighbor's house and they were kind of a it was an older couple they'd been there forever they bought it from their parents so like the same family had been in the house for 60 years um it needed a lot of work um they'd been smokers for decades like it had been on the market for years and years and years. And so at one point, my husband and I looked at each other and we're like, huh, we should buy it. Suddenly taking ourselves seriously. So we called Sarah. She got in touch with the listing agent who got in touch with the neighbor who got in touch with us. And he's like, well, you should have just like let us know. And we would have like let the, <laughs> let the contract expire. We would have sold it to you for a lot cheaper. We all would have been better off. And I was just thinking to myself, like, 
that was the best money I ever spent was paying an agent to be the buffer between us and that horrible neighbor. So here, this is the funny part was that uh, for the inspection, we walked, like, keep in mind, this is the house next door to ours. And so we walk over to the house next door and the wife refuses to let us in- enter. And like, this is the appointed time for our inspection. And so we walk back to our house and call our agent who calls their agent, who calls the husband, who calls the wife, who says he's going to leave her if they don't let us in. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it's all about and consequences. So, Yikes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's about consequences. And so then we get this call back eventually through the pipeline saying, it's okay, you can go over now. <laughs> it was the least comfortable inspection oh, I've ever been present for. Yeah, exactly. And she basically like sat downstairs and chain smoked the entire time. It was, yeah, it was really horrible. <laughs> You're listening to Real Estate in the 608 Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. My name's Adam. His name is Ben. On the line, we've got Yusha Robinson, uh, partner with Pines and Bach Law Offices. Um, counselor, thank you for joining us today. I still like saying that for some reason. That sounds really cool <laughs> to me. Estate planning is one of your specialties. Why would you go about and think about estate planning in the first place? Well, first of all, it's been a very popular theme during the pandemic. The number one thing I hear from people is, oftentimes feel some sort of need to apologize for the time it's taken to come around to it. And it's absolutely nothing that needs an apology. It's something that it's hard to think about. It's about death. It's about dying. It's about aging. It's about things we don't like to think about. It's about things we're trained as a culture to not be comfortable around. And it's really like the fact that I get to talk to those about those things with clients is really one of the great privileges and things that I love about my job. And so, and for, for my folks, what I try to do is just help you get it off your list. Let's, you know, knock it out the list. Let's check the box. You know, you have documents to put in your box and then, you know, you revisit from time to time, but for the most part, you can get it off your, off your mind. Yeah. I think there's sometimes there's like a, there's a grace in planning all that stuff that you have this, you know, you have a plan. It's not just like wide open in case something does happen. There's a schedule of things to do. And that's maybe a good thing. And I I think that's huge. And, And I think, and even if what you would want to have happen is what would happen by law, it still means something that you thought about it and confirmed that, yes, this is what I want to have happen. I want so-and-so in charge. I want X to go to my partner. I want X to go to my kids, as opposed to like somebody died and there was no planning and this is what the fallout is. Does that also make it happen a lot faster? I think it gives a lot more sort of emotional comfort to family mm-hmm. to just know that, yes, this is the way it was supposed to go because it was planned. Nobody wants to talk about death. Well, nobody wants to talk about divorce either. But, yeah, but it's always it's always out there as a possibility. But right? it, but it it can yeah. be having some of those decisions made when your head's in a better in a good space that can probably ease the transition when the when the when it really needs to happen and you're busy dealing with other emotions. Is the real estate usually the biggest part of estate planning? You know, it depends. Every family is different. Um, it depends on if families are blended or if everybody's got the same kids together. Like that, that makes a big difference. Um, I have clients who don't have like heirs apparent, so don't have children who are obvious recipients of their of their assets, and that becomes more complicated. You know, people who have charitable interests. Like it, it definitely like there's a lot of variety, which is what makes it really interesting to me. I would say though, for for most folks, you know, a family with two partners and kids, um, you know, the questions we start talking about, like how old are your children, how old do they need to be before they, you know, get things outright. We start talking about trust provisions, um, and that depends on on how how we set things up. So we always kind of look at, we're not so worried about dollar values, but I always want to know about what kinds of accounts people have, what kinds of assets people have. Mm -hmm. Real estate is certainly a big part, but retirement, especially in the UW system, you know, 401ks, 403b type stuff also constitutes a big, a big portion of of a portfolio typically. How long has it been? 
since a real estate attorney was required to review an abstract. I think you need to say sidebar, Your Honor. Sidebar, please, Your Honor. Please explain the abstract. Like the most important date, I think, for title insurance is currently 2006. Before title insurance, people got abstracts, which was hiring an attorney to go back and look through the land record and give you what was called an abstract of title or a written opinion of, hey, here's, here is the history of your land, and here is the history of the things that have happened to your land and the things that affect your land, like so-and-so you know, granted an easement or so-and-so took a mortgage and satisfied it and so-and-so granted a land contract and then later gave a deed for this portion of it. Like, all of that would affect your your abstract. And it was reviewed every time it was sold and it became what preceded the title insurance, right? Now we just have a title company run a report, but at the time it was having an attorney go through the record and come up with an opinion of title. And I think uh, chain of title is is another um, thing that helps you look at that because they would literally look at it on a linear time basis. And I had one from my previous home that actually showed it went back to the much larger parcel. Like first, yes. yep. first this this man sold his farm, and then someone divided that farm into this many oh, yeah. lots, and then and they'll many. go back to the original land grant. From Wisconsin, right? Mm-hmm. From the U.S. government. Yeah, it's really interesting. And it's neat when you, when I go to closing for folks who have owned the property for 40, 50 years and they turn over the abstracts, it's really neat. Like we spend time, it's like, it's almost like a family event, you know, <laughs> going back through and looking over them and like, they're really neat. And they really are like, people don't want to turn them over to the title company because there are these Almost sentimental things. Sounds like you could do a good show on PBS with those abstracts. But the nice part yeah. of switching from the abstract is, as you know, kind as those things sound like they might be, is the the standardization and the portability of the new way to do it. And, well, and and quite professionally speaking, it switches the liability away from me as a professional. Gotcha. Right. So instead right. of you were on the line. Of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Instead of the lawyer giving the the opinion of abstract and being on the line if they got it wrong, like it's it's outsourced to a title company, and that's that's a big point of the insurance industry. I think you've got a neighbor in the other direction, Rachel Whaley, with the Lauer Realty Group. Is that right? <laughs> Yeah, my favorite, my favorite neighborhood. I love the east side. Did, I love the east side. Did uh, did Rachel have you draft up a shared driveway slash garage agreement for her and her neighboring property? Like joint driveway agreements are very important for people who have like garages over property lines and driveways over property lines. No, yeah, no joke. And then if you're if you're shopping on the east side, um, the there are often old and incomplete versions of a, of a joint driveway agreement or sometimes a joint garage agreement on file with the deed. But those don't necessarily meet the criteria of our modern day lenders and, uh, and reaching out to someone like Yusha to have the, brush the dust off one of those old documents and make it something that, that it would be more helpful for your ownership is, uh, is not that uncommon. The old ones are typically from the 1920s, 1930s. They're very basic. You know, it basically says, you know, we give you access, you pay this much. Um, the dollar amounts often need to be updated. I, I think it's it's worth updating. I, I don't see lenders, and not to contradict you, but I don't see lenders requiring the updates, but I find that it's worth updating just to make sure that sort of the cost you know, to the extent there is cost, that those are um, equitably shared and just that things are things are clean. The last time I had a lender ask for like, well, could you get it to say like, who's going to care for it a little bit? Like it doesn't <laughs> yeah, really, yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah, exactly. really say anything exactly. about like, what if it falls, you know, like, so yeah. there, there was one on the near, this was actually a near West side, but a shared garage with little to no language about care. And here's a tip. This is the thing I find goes south most often is that the way the parties handle the insurance does not match what's in the agreement. 
<laughs> and so people people are doing it on their own, and it doesn't it doesn't match up. And then someone new moves in, and it just it turns into a mess. So did the same with like don't do a legal zoom because that's not going to cover you. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608 Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. My name is Adam. His name is Ben. Uh, on the line, we've got Yusha Robinson, uh, partner with Pines and Bach Law Offices. Uh, Yusha, again, thank you for joining us today. You are not necessarily giving us legal advice, but certainly talking about some of the things that are involved in the legal process when it comes to real estate. The last time we had you on was last month's episode where you talked about ways to hold title. Why are there different ways to hold title and why is that important? There's two different reasons primarily. One is that sometimes people have different uh, ownership interests in a property. So if someone has a 25% interest and someone has a 75% interest, they're going to hold title as tenants in common. So when you sell the property, that's how you split the um how you split the profits. The other primary reason for how you take title is related to estate planning and what happens if an owner dies. We always want to make sure that however you hold title, it lines up with what your goals are if somebody dies. Uh, We always want to take that into account. And so if you have two co-owners together, uh, we want to make sure that however you hold title together, if somebody died, you know, what happens make sure that that reflects what you actually want to have happen. Earlier, before we had you on today, Yusha, we were talking about, uh, I'm a teacher, so I was able to line up to get the COVID vaccine and I got it. And I had this feeling of guiltiness that other people have not got the vaccine yet, but I was able to get in line there. And I think there might be a common feeling with people when they think about their own estate, there's like a guilt or a weirdness feeling that you would start thinking about um, your death or that something might happen. Yet the reality is it's best just to make the plan and do it. I mean, I think, I think so. I mean, it's a hard, I mean, it's a very human feeling, Adam. It's, you know, it's something that people put off and it's easy to put off because it's all uncomfortable stuff to think of, but it's important to have in place. It's the responsible thing to, you know, have, have worked through and, Mm -hmm. and to have in place. I brought up something that I thought was a thing. And you said, Ben, that's not a common law marriage. Not a <laughs> and, thing. Not a thing. Not a thing. And Adam, Adam shakes his head because he's got, he's got a lit, I will call it a, a live in or he has, he, he shares. He's got a, a common law spouse. Is not a common law spouse? You could say I, that. Are you yes. getting there? How, what is, what mm-hmm. if, if common law spouse was a thing, how many years would need, one need be common with them? You're talking about fictional things that don't exist. It does, it's like it doesn't even exist. Yeah. Where, where does that even come from? Was that a thing at one point where there was such a common law uh, marriage? And oh. I think like in Wisconsin, people usually think it's two years. If you've I been heard, in the same house for two years, seven, maybe seven, seven years, <laughs> like everybody's got a different. Yeah, it's a joke. Well, so we're, we're blessed here in Dane County. Um, so first of all, like the common law marriage thing, I don't know exactly when it was statutorily banned um but at some point it got it got ruled out and it was decades and decades ago um there are only a couple states in the country where common law marriage still exists and i will um sort of with all biases say that it was in the south Uh, okay (laughs) right so there's certain certain, like for certain like societal reasons like in some states like it was important that you know relationships be legitimized and children be legitimized and you know whatever um and so that those are the historical reasons for for common law marriage um but in wisconsin we don't have such a thing and I do get the question all the time. There is no such thing here. So you can live together until, like, the cows come home. And they may in Wisconsin. <laughs> and they come, yeah, and they come home every night, right. actually. Um, but you can, you can live together until the cows come home, and you will not be statutorily married. Um, you have to sign up for a marriage license and do the whole, the whole nine yards. Calling from the bay. 
felt that I was actually be like statutorily married, but that that there would be an ownership interest. There is not an ownership interest created by someone simply living in your house for There is not, but boy, does it get complicated in terms of like contributions and, you know, having, having, so here's my number one tip for people who are moving in together, non-married people who live together in a home, especially who hold title together. Like, it's really important that you have some sort of property agreement, like a written contract together that says how you're going to contribute, what happens if you break up. And it's not to be pessimistic about your relationship. It's just sort of a pre-negotiated, like a prenup almost, mm-hmm. right? How would this dissolve if, if things don't work out the way we hope they do? As a non-married couple, there are no laws that apply to your relationship. Mm-hmm. There's only contract. There's nothing, you know, you don't have divorce laws. You don't have, you know, those types of laws that, that apply to, you know, your relationship to each other. It's only contract. That's great advice. I always say at a minimum, make sure you write your name in the copy of the white album. So you don't get them confused and everybody departs with their original version. <laughs> to get their it. original yeah. LPs. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) We're going to take a quick break for Phil's phone in and get his look beyond the 608. And then we'll be back with Yusha in just a moment. Phil Plort is my business partner in Deacon Housing, president of Madison's Blimling and Associates, a dairy commodities consulting firm, a division of Dairy.com. He is also host of his very own and kind of new-ish podcast, The Dairy Download. Keeping an eye on the far away and diverse markets is what he does. Seeing how it might affect real estate here in Madison is what he does for fun. Here he is with a look beyond the 608. Going to the bar with the money from a jar. Walking there because I'll have a problem with the car. Gonna take a sip, gonna take a little trip. Gonna purchase tea and whiskey, gonna leave a big tip. Going to the- hey Ben, it's Phil with a view from beyond the 608. Since the financial crisis of 2008, the conventional wisdom around government fiscal stimulus has evolved to a go big or go home attitude. The danger of doing too little is far greater than the perils of doing too much. And while they don't always agree on the details, it's a notion generally promoted by elected officials across the ideological spectrum. We've definitely seen that through the pandemic. President Biden just signed a $1.9 trillion stimulus measure. It was his first foray but it was the third time Congress and the White House have gone to the stimulus well. Like the two previous measures, this package will generate direct payments for millions of individuals and families. This time, those that qualify will get $1,400 per person or $2,800 per couple. That's the biggest payout yet, with Stimulus 1 at $1,200 and $2,400 and Stimulus 2 at $600 and $1,200. So where's the money going to go? A survey by Bank of America revealed that 36% of recipients will spend the money. The rest, well, 30% said they'll pay off debts, 25% will save it, and 9% will invest it. Compared to previous stimulus checks, the spenders are likely to boost outlays on vacation and travel, but they will spend less of the dollars on food, clothing, and necessities. As for the savings, Americans have already been putting a lot in the piggy bank. Data from the U.S. Federal Reserve showed that the savings rate topped more than 20% in January for only the third time ever presumably as people socked away their round two checks. The government definitely went big. Let's see how that money flows into the economy in the months ahead. That's all for now, Ben. Until the next time, this is Phil with a view from beyond the 608. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. His name is Ben. My name is Adam. Uh, our guest in studio today has been Yusha Robinson, a counselor, partner with Pines and Bach Law Offices, uh, a estate planner. Um, all things, it sounded like, Yusha, we can contact you for anything real estate attorney related, right? Yeah, absolutely. Real estate, estate planning. They overlap quite a bit. It has been a pleasure to have you on. So uh, if somebody is looking for that advice from you? Um, They can contact us by looking online at pinesbach.com, which is P-I-N-E-S, 
dot And we had talked about the Tenant Resource Center, too, and your involvement in that. A fantastic organization, especially right now when people are struggling because of COVID. You started your work with them, right? I did. I That was my first time out of law school, and they have my heart. So if you anybody needs help with rent, especially now in uh, the pandemic, uh, their website is tenantresourcecenter.org. Um, you can find them online. Uh, just search Tenant Resources Wisconsin, and you should be able to pull it up. I have helped or I have donated to them um, because they have often been a resource to me. You wouldn't necessarily think that I, that the landlord would call the, the Tenant Resource Center and that their uh, their opinions might be divergent from mine, but usually the problems I'm having are with common sense and, and a, an easy reading of the law. I've reached out to them on several occasions hmm. just to say, is this my understanding? Am I in the right here? And yes, you yes, you seem to be. Okay, great. Thank you, Annette. And, and every time I would do that, I would put a little money in the hat just because mm-hmm. I, I appreciate their being a resource. That, that's always been my take on it, too, is that as an attorney, like I want to help landlords who want to be good landlords. Tenant Resource Center is a resource for landlords and tenants. I'm also available to help if anybody needs more than what they can offer. I, I feel for people that are in that situation, um, but th- but there are people out there that, that can. And, uh, and Yusha, we appreciate that you are one of them, and we appreciate that you, that you spent your time with us today. Yeah, it was my pleasure, guys. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for talking. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your years. My name is Adam. His name is Ben. Ben, your cat has been joining us through this whole episode. Is that like a guest reporter? Yeah, kind of. I stole a photo of him, so you can share that (laughs) on Facebook that uh, we now have a third partner in the uh, podcast. Cat pictures. People on the Facebook love them. (laughs) Ben, what was that, though? That was season three, episode three, and our second time... With Yusha, but a little bit more in depth than her than her brief uh, uh, stay or her brief uh, interjection in in our episode in February about just about when we talked just about how to hold title. Uh, today we're able to talk with her about all kinds of things legal mm-hmm. as they relate to real estate and, and how she um, how she dovetails nicely in some transactions uh, along with uh, a real estate agent to handle the the softer side. Uh, where where often what she's helping with or facilitating is the is the dry not fun part, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> the the legal part. Uh, but talking about the the benefit or the uh, the value of a real estate agent too, and the way that they lubricate or create that buffer mm-hmm. uh, between opposing forces. So we also learned that like common law. Well, actually, it just reaffirmed. I knew that common law was stupid and and did not exist. But like now that I have a legal opinion, on it, I'm much happier with yes, that. The only official <laughs> legal opinion we received today was that common law marriage not a thing. Not right. two years. Not seven years. Never. There's no situation where Except, all of a sudden, like, you are contracted into an agreement for staying in a space. Like, what is that? What does that even mean? Uh, and also, you should also recommended that. I think she called it a partner prenuptial. Like, if you're a, moving in with someone. A joint, a joint ownership agreement. Yeah. So this was the March version of Real Estate in the 608. Um, if people want to find out more, they can check out the newsletter, right? They can get a newsletter from me delivered on the 22nd and written in easy to digest segments taking no longer than 20 seconds to read. You can sign up for that at the all new benanton.com. Nice and shiny. If you got that newsletter last month, you'd know all about that new website, but you might be hearing it for the first time because you're only half dialed in, but I appreciate you just the same. Yes. And since thanks and appreciations are going out, uh, thank you for joining us and listening this entire episode. Thank you, Ben, for uh, leading us along here. And uh, thanks to some of the musicians who we've heard throughout the episode here. Uh, Renclaw, El Donk, Oak Street Ramblers. Which is just a, which intersects with uh, the very popular in the Union Corners neighborhood, mm-hmm. which is where a lot of people we talked to, talked to to or about today with Yusha are from that from that little neck of the woods. Um, and then also thank you to Bob Westfall, uh, Seesaw, Mad City Jug Band. And thanks again once again to our listeners for joining us on this episode of Real Estate in 608. Thanks, and, Ben. And, and before I'm done, uh, one uh, congratulations to Melissa, mm-hmm. whom you know. Yes. And Dale. 
and we'll accepted listen. offer today on a on a new little project for them. Fantastic! And I, and I I found out he was he was a listener uh, last night as we were conferencing, calling, um, and he started throwing some in the six hundred eight knowledge back at he me. He knows it. Like Dale. You're a fan. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a fan of you too, Dale. Thank you much. Although Josh Spreider of WIC, we got not, our eyes on you, buddy, yeah, in the 608. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, bud. Later. Thank you for listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. Real Estate in the 608 is a podcast for homeowners, home buyers, landlords, tenants, people who just want to be better at living in a home. If you can't get enough real estate in the 608 between episodes, like us on Facebook at In the 608 or visit inthe608.com for archived episodes and show notes. Remember, until you tell us, we don't know. We appreciate your listening as well as your ratings and reviews at your favorite podcast portal. We also welcome feedback and topic suggestions via email to Ben at benanton.com. Come on, baby, won't you hold me tighter than your fist curled up in a schoolyard fight? I'll be a backup when you're calling my name. And come on, baby, won't you keep me safer than that high score on that pinball game? You're always playing at your favorite arcade. Could be taking names, and we could be record breaking. Come on, baby, won't you buy me flowers with that money spent on whiskey sours that you're buying at those wasted hours? And come on, baby, won't you talk me sweet? Instead, I'm staring at this empty seat because you got someone else you'd rather me And we could be. So I'm singing you this waiting song.